My mother's calling me. Mom! Hold on a second, hold on a second. Hey, Mom. You got, got BookCon? No, you're on the podcast. Mom. No, I'm not. You are. You're literally are. on the podcast. You're live. Congratulations. Goddess of Grace. What's your I question? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We'll do this. Well, this, this will be our. This will be our cold open. Tell, tell, tell the audience what your favorite, funny yet appropriate Lawson moment is from childhood. <laughs> so self-serving. Seriously. <laughs> what's your favorite Blake moment? Yeah, mom. What's your favorite Blake moment? <laughs> no. What's the most embarrassing okay. thing Lawson's ever done? Yes. Uh, we, we can't tell that on the air. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's on my hearing. What can you tell on air? Hold on, Mom. Hold on, wait. Oh, sorry. Okay. What's happening? Go. You know her voice is coming out of the bottom of your phone. Yes. It's actually coming out of the top. Okay. Oh, that's weird. Randy and I, we're just married. Haven't been married long. We go out to eat after church. No, nope, I don't want to do this one. Okay, we'll do it. Do I it. Want this one. I said appropriate. She started. I, I love you, mom. I'll talk to you later. Uh, Wait, what? Boo. You just killed our cold open. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. We weren't doing that one. <laughs> did you poop your pants? No, no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You made him. You made a stinky. You made a stinky. This is what happened? <laughs> I was like three at the time. So you were three. That. I think I was three or four. Yeah. Is there nudity? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, bro. I can't stand when people do this. What? Ruin good stories. No, it just makes me want to sit here and be like, and just ponder and guess. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'm, it's hard for me to move on. All right, we were in Shoney's. <laughs> yeah, you Why were. Why don't you call mom back? <laughs> no, I'm not calling mom back. We were in Shoney's. We were in Shoney's. I had, um, I had gone to the bathroom, but I had not learned how to wipe yet. Oh, uh, no. I knew it had And so evolved. I shouted from the bathroom. <laughs> Poop was involved. I like, I'm not, I don't want to do this. We're not doing this. <laughs> what you, doing what'd you shout? I can't. Say it. <laughs> no. Say it. It's too it's late. You already no. started nah, it. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> Say it. Like, nah, we're moving Stinky on. Stinky on my booty. <laughs> All right. So the podcast today is on. So Don, what are we doing today? Get me out of here. <laughs> this Boo. is the worst podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you can I do this now? Yeah, I think we're right. All right, um, all right, all right. Uh, welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Welcome to Products. What are you like, the captain on the on right. Don's Allegiant flight? <laughs> all right, you two. No, that's this. My bags uh, are hung. That's it. Uh, welcome to uh, Products of Grace. <laughs> that is the energy. No, he comes over like this. Uh, huh? A couple. Uh, no. uh, yeah, we're. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is what everybody's thinking about this podcast right In now. The ding. <laughs> yeah, so uh <laughs> All right, that's when you get nervous. <laughs> that's what dude, that's, hey, Somebody had too many carry-ons on one side of the Listen, way. What you're about me. to get onto is a plane flying to Memphis. <laughs> the worst, the worst. <laughs> Put out your cigarettes. The worst, the worst thing, like when there's turbulence, like bad turbulence, and the captain's saying nothing, I'm like, I am very, very <laughs> concerned. For the I, need bolt. You, yeah, <laughs> I need you to say words. He's to using me both his hands and his feet me. to fly the All right. <laughs> Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me today I have Don Terrell and Blake McCullough. So, Don, what are we doing today? So, today, what are we doing today? Today, we will discuss the title of today's episode is Crying Unto the Lord and Anxiety. How about it? How about it? All right, cool. All right, cool. Hey, so when you fly, do you get 
Do you get more anxiety taking off or landing? Uh, neither, in the air. It, so your total anxiety is in the I'm air. I'm fine on the ground. I'm fine Ooh. landing. I am not okay in the air. What about Blakey Blakey? What about you? I have not flown <laughs> in a decade. So I don't what remember. A blessing. What age would you have been? Sixteen? <laughs> no, I was like, I was eighteen. You were eighteen. Yeah. Where'd you fly to? Boston, Mass. To do what? Mission work. I mean, what else would you? I'm just kidding. Did you catch a Sox game? No. It no? was. It was in like. It was spring break, so it was like March. Yeah. It was snow on the ground. Ooh. Yeah. When's it? Where's the last place you went to? <clears throat> in plane. Colorado, January. 2020. Oh, at right the time, before the COVID. At the time, everybody was talking about the Australian wildfires. I remember donating to On the, the Australian. No, no, no. At at the cashier at a store to the to Australia wildfire relief. And then, like on the uh-huh. way home, there was a conversation, like in the airport, of like the COVID virus. And mm-hmm. and I was like, oh wow, interesting. And You're so like, it's never coming. I literally looked at you. Do you remember this? <clears throat> yeah. Do- Drew and I were talking about this the other day. I looked at you probably early January. And I was like, "That's not coming here. It's not even going to be an issue." It's like, "Oh, we'll just start an the, elder meeting. We'll just no, no, no. It was no. But I'm saying in an elder meeting, we were like, "It's not a big deal." And Don was like, "No, it's it's going to be a big deal." And we were like, "No, no, no, it'll be yeah. fine." And it sure was. <laughs> I kept saying it. I was like, "What's the plan?" I'm call, I'm calling. Who did I say I was you were calling? calling a bunch of people? I was calling asking the convention. What the plan, I was yeah. like, "What's what's, oh, the, yeah, what's the plan?" Like, you, the you have a real pandemic, like 1918 flu. <laughs> what's going down? Yeah. They were like, "Don't worry." It's not a big, yeah. We don't have a plan. There's no reason to. There's no political powers at play here. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I'm good in the air. I can take, I can take a lot of turbulence and be like fine. you're big resting, like resting at rest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And I'm fine taking <clears throat> off, but when it comes time to land, you freak out at landing. I sent every time <clears throat> Julie's like looking at me. What are you doing? And I'm like, I cinch the belt tighter. <laughs> She goes, what's that going to do? And I go, I don't know. I feel like sometimes if we, landing has to be the most dangerous part. I mean, you're coming The most down. dangerous part is takeoff and landing, so I hear. So it's like when you hit, and you, I always feel like it's going to be, I mean, what if it goes sideways <laughs> or I'm squirming around, yeah. you know? Like, I just, I want to be locked in at the hips. Yep. So I sit up straight, and I lock I in I have at a the ritual hips. at landing. What? So. Call it a liturgy, so it sounds holy. A liturgy. Uh, it, it, there is much rejoicing in it. Uh, I don't know why I do this, but I've done it since I was like little bitty. Like I've done it since I was a, a wee lad. And every time we go to land, I, I obviously sit in my chair and do all the things they tell me to. I put all my stuff away and I, I pray and ask the Lord for a safe landing. And I put my hand very gently on the, yes. on the, on the seat in front of me and I leave it there until we are still. Wow. That's intense, bro. I, I'm telling you, like when I tell you that I do not like flying, I do like I, I have agreed to go somewhere in January, like mm-hmm. on a vacation. I'm mm-hmm. actually going skiing again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's it's my favorite. It's the only vacation I care about. So it's worth it. It's it's enough motivation to make you push through because like that, he wouldn't fly to the no, beach. No, no. So actually, I'll tell you honestly, this year's motivation is not that I go. This year's motivation is that Rowan gets to go. Oh, yeah. If yeah, Rowan yeah. wasn't going, I wouldn't go. You wouldn't go. Mm-mm. What airline are you flying? Have no clue. You have no clue. All right. All right. Do you think they'll cry on the plane? Well, there. It's just Rowan. It's yes. just Rowan? Yeah, Haddon's not going. God, look at the face. Haddon, he loves you. Hey, uh, 
Hey, man, learn some systematic theology, then I'll take you skiing. <laughs> he is he is now Get catechism number is, one down, and we'll talk. <laughs> he is now officially participated with me through uh, Proverbs. I saw a picture of him the other day, and he looks bigger and he looks more awake. He's big, more He's awake. Big. Yeah, dude was just snoozing every time I saw him. He's big, bright eyed. He's got a little blue in his Rowan. Eyes. Rowan's coming over to him like, "Hey, <laughs> get up and play, baby Haddon." <laughs> <laughs> All right, crying unto the Lord. Okay. Do you have an idiom for that? Oh, I got one. Okay, hit me with that. This, see if you know who it comes from. If you gonna cry, what the baby gonna do? Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard that? No. All right. <coughs> That's the idiom. When I was thinking about crying unto the Lord, <clears throat> I was always provided like the idea of words. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that's I don't think that necessarily covers the full orb. Like of like you crying, actually shedding tears, and then the answer back I think from scripture is this idea of casting your anxieties, which I think both takes I think it both takes movement and and words in a way mm-hmm. right like i just want to work through like how like what does that look like to be shedding tears crying unto the lord why is it that we are called to cast our anxieties upon the lord as the as the all sufficient means to quelling <clears throat> like those emotions you know cuz like we came out of romans mm-hmm. and you're like you've got to be we, I, this is actually really interesting we're doing this because beth and i have been talking about um with a couple of different people, um, the call to master your emotions. Mm. And I think there is a, 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 there, there has been an overlooked, and I think probably because of the concept of solo feels, that your emotions are always right, that they're to be a driving <clears throat> factor in your life. I think there was a sermon that I preached in John that just, just latched on to me. Um, and, and then also in Romans as well, but, but the looking at Jesus and his mastery of his emotions, mm-hmm. like you see him hear the news of Lazarus, mm-hmm. and you would almost expect. I mean, I think we would, right? Lazarus is dead. Our response would be, I think, immediately in the moment to weep at that. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's fault there, but you see him reserve mm-hmm. and make his way to Lazarus's tomb, and at Lazarus's tomb he weeps. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why is he weeping at Lazarus's tomb and not weeping at you know, when he originally hears it. And then secondarily, why is he weeping even though he knows that he's about to raise God, Lazarus from yeah. the dead? Mm. And it's like, there's this, there's something that we see in the Lord where he, you know, we, we aim to model our life after him in his thoughts and his activities and how he, he, his food was doing the will of God. Like that's something we aim to model our life after. What I don't understand is why we choose to put aside our are aiming to model our lives after Jesus when it touches the emotion. I think it's because we don't believe he had a reasonable spirit. Mm-hmm. We think that he was, you know, bodily human, mm-hmm. but he had a, a, but the mind was, was divine. It's like, no, 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 no. He had a true humanity, meaning that he had human mind, he had human emotions, he had human will, he had a human body. All of that was human. This is why we, when we talk about the Trinity, when we talk about 
um, the the incarnation, we talk about his hypostasis, right? He is like everything about Jesus is truly humanity. Mm. And at the very same time, we say there is true divinity. He mm. is true divinity. And so... So what do you think the... What, what do you think brought him to tears in the moment of La- of Lazarus? Yeah, so there's a there's a good conversation on this. Kind of goes back and forth. Am I asking a hotly debated question. You are, but but <laughs> I I, I, I'm, I'm I'm relatively confident okay. in it. I think. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> well, let me lean up here, Orthodox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I think I mean I'm in good company. The um, <laughs> they are. Yeah, they, they're, <laughs> they're in good company. Yeah, you're welcome, Calvin. Uh, <laughs> Calvin Carson Pink, right? Yeah. So, uh, but the the primary argument is Jesus looking at the effects of sin and suffering in the world. Like he's seeing the suffering, he's seeing the anguish that sin brings in our world. And I think that if we appropriately mourn, we mourn over not just the suffering that exists in this world that causes anxiety, because I think if we're to anchor it there, right, Mm -hmm. it's not actually just the suffering that causes the anxiety. It's the fact that we live in a sinful world Mm. and that that suffering is going to be present as long as sin is. Mm. And and, and as we're looking at um, the ramifications of sin, the ramifications of of living in a fallen world, I think it's appropriate. And Jesus demonstrates this. Mm-hmm. We would say that every tear he shed at Lazarus' tomb was a holy tear. Mm-hmm. And so that was that's how we should aim to to weep. We weep over the effects of sin in the world and we long to see them corrected. So have <clears throat> so here's what I'm guilty of. I think I think I'm in good company. I would say you're probably in good company. In the fact that I when I go to a funeral, I think this is a fair assessment. An honest one. I never envision myself. I just don't. Hmm. Like I don't. I don't envision. Like I always. I, I always have empathy and sympathy. <coughs> but I think so often, like when I'm watching a movie, and I think this is common. I really do. I've, I've been asking around. <laughs> so I, I think, like when you're watching a movie, right? You you become like you. Yeah, you're the protagonist. You're the protagonist. You're always the protagonist. Yeah. But when it comes to the story of, of the, the true story of Christ and Lazarus, mm-hmm. I'm I'm never interjecting myself as the one to whom he would weep over. Right? I'm always right. reading it third person. Like you're in the crowd. Yeah, or like yeah. that. I just I, for whatever reason I won't. Like I, I guess yeah. I'm in some sort of logical denial. Special right? category. Huh? So you're, I think we place ourselves in special categories. Yeah, of like, be, oh, no, 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 that's for... Like, <clears throat> I'll attend everybody else's funeral. Yeah, nobody's ever going to show up at mine because I'm not going to die. Right, and, yeah. and I'm not saying, like, I'm, I'm living in some sort of, like, false reality because I would reject that altogether yeah. and yeah. say, no, like, if the Lord shall tarry. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm thinking about, like, with, with, with Jesus, you know, there. Do you think there's a category in which, in which Lazarus, like, he was weeping over Lazarus because Lazarus was, in fact, dead, and there was a void in the life of Lazarus that he was removed from all of his familial placement and connection, and the same thing that Jesus in his humanity, he had, he had lost a friend, yes. in a sense, you know what I'm saying? And he's, he's yeah, weeping you said that. as much in the sermon, like I remember. In Tell John. us more. Like, I remember you saying, <laughs> yeah. like, just the the reality of death as separation oh yeah, yeah like yeah. is in and of itself a reason to cry out yeah. in anguish and you know he 
I really think that for, you know, whatever we can debate about it, the book uh, Gentle and Lowly, like really helped me to kind of Mm -hmm. see the ways in which (laughs) Christ like intimately loves his people Mm -hmm. to the point that like he, as he would cry over Lazarus, right? Like he, he would cry over me Mm -hmm. and you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of, that kind of distinct love he has for his flock. I think that was really Mm -hmm. helpful to me when I read that book about like he, he loves me in this way, not just in some ethereal, Mm -hmm. like fluffy way, but in a, in a real intense, like, wants my best like wants what's best for me which is his glory mm-hmm. and my good that he mm-hmm. has deemed um yeah so yeah. you think that in his in his ministry like he's granting to his people in the end right like in the glorified end what he's what he's weeping over there like cuz i think what you're saying Lawson is like he saw he's weeping over the <laughs> sin the evidence yeah. of death. Yeah, I think de- death would be the, the the conclusion of sin, right? Right. All, everything that leads to it. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then death itself being the the greatest of the stings. But he's still weeping in the face of knowing that all that he came to fulfill will come to pass. Yeah, like it's okay. You're saying it's okay to weep in the moment, even though we know what is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm totally down for that. I would actually say you must. I think obedience demands it. So do you think about do you think about so I'm 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 just bringing to the table and saying admittedly yeah I don't think about my own personal death yes. like death being personal to me yeah am I in a am I in a in the minority here uh I don't think about it near enough I don't think mm. I was reading uh I just started reading Thoughts for Young Men by J C Ryle and uh he starts with that. Like Bailey's his first that premise, right that's why I'm reading it. He told me about it after yeah. church. His first premise is like, you're going to die. Because mm. <laughs> like we think we, we don't ever think about the fact that we will die, you know, and like what that will look like. And, you know, so anyway, so I don't think about it near enough. I think about death all the time. I think um, about other people's death. I just don't think about my own. Yeah. yeah like that's where I'm at yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I think about my own all the time. Um, but But I think... I think about my own. I think about my own in such a way, and and largely, I mean, I've got a different background, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I, when I was ten, like I, I heard the diagnosis of cancer, mm-hmm. and I remember. I mean, I don't know if I've told you all this story, but I remember hearing the cancer diagnosis, and I was in. I mean, I'll, some of these people even probably know where this is. I was in the medicine room at St. Jude when they gave me that diagnosis. I got up and I walked as fast as I could. I was limping pretty badly at the time. And I, and I was, and I literally was saying over and over and over again, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Like, I mean, and that, so that was a, like, like in a, like in a pacing panic. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, like, like yeah. weeping. I, I was picked up and put in a chair. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so that, that moment, has never left me. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through, kind of going back to anxiety, I've gone through, I went through a long time. When I say a long time, I went through 15 to 17 years of really wrestling with that to the point where I had to, like, I, I it, it was very difficult to get a hold of myself. Um, and that was even in light of, I mean, you're, you know, 
some of that was the beginning of Mercy Hill. My gallbladder and that type of thing would always prompt thoughts. Like I just had a lot of pain. Um, and so I, I, I was always remembering that death was on the horizon for me. But I think that that did <clears throat> um, once apprehended appropriately was a help, not a harm. But before I apprehended it appropriately, it was a harm, not a help. What do you mean? Well, thinking about death in a harmful way binds you. Yeah. Right. It, 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 it's, not, it's not feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of mm-hmm. peace. It's quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're shackled to something that's quite fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and on the contrary, that once you come to a, a, an acceptance of that, I think it actually animates you. It's like I, my, my life is now animated by, you know, I, this is, I, I'm saying this, hopefully this is not a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't expect mm. to live a long life. Mm. I don't know why I don't. I just don't. Like, I don't expect to live into my 80s. I'll be shocked. Um, but if I do, then, then so be it. I just want to be faithful for the little bit of time I have, mm. right? So where, where that's helped animate me is in the midst of thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. Um, I want to be fruitful while I'm here. Mm. And, um, and living in light of, I was thinking today, someone was telling me something, and, and I was thinking of the phrase, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's, that's so backwards. Mm. Yeah. I, I want to be so heavenly minded that that I can do real good. Do you think that's what uh, what Moses, like what the scriptures interpret when Moses was saying that Moses taught us to number our days? Yes. Do you, yeah, think, that, no, do you think that's the mantra? Wake up knowing. And I'll tell you the <clears throat> difficulty of this for me now is spending a day resting. The, the, the flip has happened where one, I was immobilized and now the numbering your days, it's like, well, if I'm numbering my days, am I permitted to rest for a day? Mm. Um, and, and, and I have to work. That's, that's something that mm. I have to work at. Um, there's a phrase and we've all heard it. I love that person to death. Yeah. But that death, like almost places a finality. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. I'm going to fulfill the, the mission. Huh? To the end. Yeah, to the end. Yeah. And I think, like, that's that. I don't know. Like, at my age, at 43, okay, like, I, like I've, I've lived enough days, and, and there's saints and people that are much older than me that could ha- have a better grasp on this. So I'm, I'm, this isn't an end-all, be-all. <clears throat> but it's almost like I can't distinguish between, I know what my body feels like between four hours and eight hours of sleep. I know what that feels like, but I can't tangibly tell the difference between four hours and eight hours. You know what I'm saying? It just, I wake up from sleep and that Mm. amount of sleep has transpired. I don't have like a measuring stick and can Mm -hmm. quote to you like what that was. I just woke up. You can't wake up and say, I slept four, I slept eight. Yeah. And like with 43 years, I feel the same way. Yeah. And so like, it's this idea that like death, death will, if the Lord tarries, death will visit yeah, but it won't stay. It won't stay. So this this whole idea of like, I love this person to death. Yeah, like I I don't know. Like I to me makes 
makes the person like the object. I'm not I'm not trying to like imply things, but I feel like that idiom makes the person the object of the life's fulfilling work. Mm. But there is so much fulfilling work in the body of Christ, both like in marriage and in singleness and in youth and in old age, of like so many relationships, you know, that we, we do we do love till death, right? Like even in our marital commitments one to another, that we love each other till death do us part. And I think that's like, to me, the biggest sting of death and one of life's greatest anxieties is experiencing or considering the to be experienced that impending loss. But And like Christ, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like knowing on the other side of that, he he didn't fail in redeeming the whole man, mm-hmm. but yet the last enemy to de- be defeated is death. And we yeah. will say at the resurrection, death, where is your sting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where is your victory? But right now we experience death. And I think like for a lot of people, myself included, like our humanity brings probably the greatest amount of anxiety to the yes. person, yeah. to the human experience. Yeah, it's fair. Fair? Yeah. So how do we, like, how do we counter that? Like, how do we, I mean, I think we've touched on it, but I think, like, n- like knowing to gird ourselves and ready ourselves and to live each day into itself, right? Yeah. There, I mean, we are a needy, forgetful people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, we need to constantly be reminded and I guess my question is, because the whole listening audience, whether they will lose a loved one or experience their own separation from by, we will all pass through this door, yeah. either third person or first person, either witness someone else or they will witness us. Yeah. And it is almost this great shared reality in which the Christian does not lose hope in it, Right, but yet we do grieve it, and we long for the day in which that enemy will be placed under the footstool. Mm-hmm. But I think there is such a temptation, man, to under that weight to buckle. Yeah, to buckle. Yeah, I always think back when I have these like moments of of anxiety. I think I always think back to I don't even know what the text was for this sermon, but it's a sermon by Alistair Begg. Mm where he's he's like railing against uh like modern worship pastors basically who are like how are y'all feeling tonight and he was like he he starts way. railing on it and he's just like don't tell don't ask me how i feel mm-hmm. ask me what i know mm-hmm. and i think that, that that has in my own anxieties and in my pastoral counsel and just like friendship counsel especially thinking about death is like don't don't ask how I feel and even ask myself, right? Like don't don't ask myself how I feel, but mm-hmm. what do I know? Like what is true about God and what is true about me in Christ and what is what is the actual reality that is above my feelings and above my fears and above mm-hmm. my anxieties. Like mm-hmm. what is what is actually true? And then when I know what is true, I can think clearly about how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that at least for me in my own counsel in my own even in my own life like has been the the factor that has helped me to kind of come out of that pit of despair of, mm-hmm. of my future mm-hmm. because when i think about that moment right of death i don't feel great about it we none of us do like mm-hmm. you just said but we do know true things mm-hmm. and and sadly we do have to be reminded over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again of true mm-hmm. things um I, 
Yes, hard affirm. It's it's a it's a knowing versus versus feeling. And I this is we just we live in such a culture where it's like, hey, there's there's just there's just a disposition of feeling being authoritative. Mm-hmm. And I, and I would reiterate, feeling is not authoritative. Like it's 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 the last of authorities. Mm. Um, you're you know I, I tell people all the time if I'm trying to get a point across, it's like look I. At the at the at the last scene of um of the last Avengers movie Endgame, when everybody comes <laughs> back to life, I cried like I teared up. Mm. That's not real. Mm-hmm. Like that's not real, but it's still drawing my emotions mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you should not trust your emotions that can be manipulated by imagination, mm-hmm. right? It just mm-hmm. it, it literally mm-hmm. is manipulated by mm-hmm. imagination. even hypotheticals. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, seriously. And so, like, those types of things will draw out your emotions. And, you know, I think, you know, we go to movies for catharsis. We yeah. go to movies and we do, we do these things so that we can have an emotional response to something. But it's like, well, maybe we should work on making our emotions bow to reality before we begin to manipulate them through secondary mm. sources, right? Yeah. And so I think that though, I think understanding that feelings are not authoritative, that truth is authoritative, like you just mentioned, Blake, and I should look at my life and order it appropriately underneath reality. And then I, I do think there are prompts for anxiety that I want to hit. One prompt for anxiety is sin. Like, I think if you're a Christian and you're thinking about death and you're uniquely struggling with anxiety, I think that there are some who do so when they really are free from you know, any, any present sin in their life. But I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and they're just burdened by all type of anxiety and stress, there normally is some type of unrepentant sin in their life mm-hmm. that they're afraid they're going to face judgment for. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, hey, you're, you're sitting under this weight probably because you're not repentive and you need to be repentive. Yeah. And like if you, and so I would, I would, I'm not saying this is always the case, but I would encourage you, if you're sitting under a great deal of anxiety when you consider the judgment, then, then, I, would, then I would ask you, is there anything in your life that you need to put to death right now? Yeah. Um, because I can tell you, like, when I told you that 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 fear that death was not a help to me, what it did was immobilize me, and what I was always sitting under was laziness. Mm-hmm. And until that died, I was always waiting for the like all the things that I should have done with my life, mm-hmm. and and being like, I just wasted them. I wasted twenty whatever years of my life. Instead of instead of laboring mm. and serving and giving myself to the church, and so that's one thing. Um, and the other is the other is fellowship, um, and I mean that I mean that in two ways. I mean it fellowship within the church, but I really mean it fellowship with God because I think if you have a fear and a trembling about death, it's because you're afraid of where you're going to go. But if you understand as a mm. Christian that you go to God then there should be no fear there. And my question is, are you actively fellowshipping with him here? Yeah. Because I think there's kind of like this, um, and I've had conversations with a, with a number of people in our church who struggle with this, and, I, and I'll tell them like, man, I'll tell you my anxiety rises when I'm prayerless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm prayerless, my anxiety will be through the roof because I'm, I, I'm demonstrating a lack of fixation on my final destination. Yeah, I was reading Hebrews this morning. I was and I was just shocked all over again about the fact that Christ died and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we mm. we go boldly to the throne of grace. Yeah, as compared to those high priests who went 
with fear, fear and trembling, trembling yeah. and we go boldly because of the work that Christ has done on our behalf. And if, there, if we're not living in fellowship with God in that way, mm. then we won't actually believe that that's true because we have built up those walls of, well, he, you know, he's unsatisfied with me and he doesn't, he doesn't love me, yeah. and he, you know, and the fellowship with God, when we, when we truly believe that we can go boldly to him, yeah. changes <clears throat> our entire attitude of, toward the things that we're afraid of. I think we can go boldly to this where I was earlier, like going boldly to, to cry unto the Lord. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I understand like words have meaning and we need to be able to form words in, in prayer. But, but, but Romans, also eight Romans, eight say, yes. Romans 8 exists. And so I think we are welcomed in, yeah, right? When, you, when you're thinking about, you know, that, that weeping, that crying, you know, often I've, I've thought about that, you know, the verbal yelling, right? Like this, this idea of desire or calling out. But I also am reminded of that, that sweet fellowship of the Lord, knowing that he loves his sheep and that we can go boldly into to weep and cry. And then it reminds me of how, how prone I am to have misplaced affections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's right? where I was really going, yeah. To be in the here Sorry. and now. Yeah. No, and, no, you didn't interrupt your phone. And, and to try to say that, you know, I, I think we just have a lack of, of focused understanding of what is to come. And that I'm, in a sense, weeping over that temporary void and placing such an eternal weight on it. Huh. When I have such a weak understanding of the fellowship and the community of the saints in the eternity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like that I'm not, you know, when we're describing the void of Lazarus dying and what that would have affected all of his friends and his family and 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 even Christ himself, then when I, I place that in and saying like, yes, like that is a, that is a real, uh, even if I enter into that, that's a real loss. But I think like it's, it pales in comparison to like what is, to be celebrated and longed for in the resurrection, yeah. you know, and so much of my life being spent in thinking that like when I die, I go to a place that is vapid and clear and my spirit's there and I don't really have anything <laughs> tangible and this place is better and what he bought yeah. for us is a secondary reality that's of lesser stature and worth and I have it all mixed up, you know, and yeah. I think that stuff, like it, it to me, like when you begin, Blake, to your point, like, preaching truth to myself like this is what has been promised this is what has been purchased this is where i'm going mm-hmm. then it doesn't negate the grieving but it does it it does administer mercy i think in the yeah. here and now to be reminded of those things well i remember i don't want to say speak for anyone else but i do remember a moment i was probably in high school where i was afraid i i told a guy who's discipled me that i was terrified of of the idea of eternity because i couldn't understand it. yeah i think we've all been there probably and uh he looked at me and he said it sounds like you don't trust that what god has prepared for you beforehand is good Mm. (laughs) i was like okay sorry yeah (laughs) no but you know like that's always stuck with me the fact that like it's like hey your your destination's trash you know (laughs) it's just like like, i'm scared about going heaven is gonna be like some kind of like lifeless you know a million verses of amazing grace and not like true life that we could never even fathom right is to say in essence god i don't trust that that you have what is best for me and most mm-hmm. glorifying to you mm-hmm. in my future mm-hmm. and 
I mean, like when we think of it that way, that the God who loves us mm-hmm. is is preparing something or has prepared something for us that is far beyond what we could ever imagine, mm-hmm. right? Then yeah. we believe that truth and we 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 mobilize mobilize that truth against our own. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like satanic view of yeah. of a future glory yeah. that's not glorious. Yeah. Our fallen sinful outlook. Yeah, yeah, and I think, um, you know. Blake, on, on what you just said about, like, I preach a sermon in John 5 on the scariest word in the Bible is eternal. And, it, and, it, and your disposition toward it will be molded by whatever's modifying it. Because yeah. in John 5, you're either raised into eternal life or you're raised into eternal death. So yeah. it's, one is blessed and one is li- literal worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, like, like y'all just mentioned, you know, you're looking forward to something. And I'll tell you, I mean, I, I still hear this is this, I think this is the normative understanding of going to, and I'm air quoting heaven, is your understanding is I'm going to like some nebulous world where you do what you want to do. And I think that people who have not been molded by the fellowship of the church here below, mm-hmm. they have to supply that with something else. Mm-hmm. And it's always found wanting. Yeah. Like, I, I I can say, like, I tweeted yesterday, y'all, I hate sin. Like, that's where I am. Like, I just want it to burn. Like, I'm just so ready to be done with this. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, 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 and until, you, until you experience community, and we do not say by any stretch of the imagination that the fellowship of the saints here is perfect, but I will say without reservation, it is sweet, mm-hmm. right? So I know it to be sweet. The only thing that pollutes it is the fact that we're still in process moving toward glorification. I can't imagine a world, like just pastoring, right? I can't imagine a world where I never get a phone call about sin or suffering. Mm. Like every phone call I get is, hey, can you tell me something good about Jesus today? Yes, I can. Mm. I I don't have, like there's no, I'm not picking up pieces of shattered lives. I'm not, I'm not helping people look to Christ in the midst of anxiety. I'm, you know, I'm not doing any of this. I, all I'm doing is saying, y'all, like, it's just good. Mm-hmm. And, and I think because we have such a fallen view of, of I think, ourselves and the world to come, I, I don't think that we have the ability to appropriately transfer ourselves from this world to the next. I think the foretaste are what we should go on, but we should mm-hmm. understand that they are foretaste and we are waiting for the full delivery of the flavor. And I mean, once we once we actually have it, I think that's where... You know, you'll watch all. I mean, I think you will have all of your fears and concerns and strife laid to rest. My my hope is that we can lay hold of that to some degree. Obviously, not with perfection, but to some degree now. Like yeah. one of the best helps for this was Richard Sibb's sermon, "Christ is Best." And I would rec if you haven't read, I probably recommended it five times. If if I, if you haven't read it yet, you're stealing from yourself, mm. um, because that book helped me let go. Um, and it showed me that so much of my enjoyments here below um, are inappropriately ordered. Mm-hmm. So, like, even my best, my best enjoyments here. So, like, uh, my fear of flying, going back to the introduction, my fear of flying started when I got married. That was when it started. I, I, I had no fear beforehand. You're stealing my next question. Oh, sorry. Um, my fear of flying started then. It got worse when I had Roe, and I'm sure it'll be worse now. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, but 
Uh, Sibs has a line in that sermon, Christ is Best, that says, it is an idolatrous love that loves the gift more than the giver. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, the, and the argument that he's making there is, if you fear going to be with Christ because you want to continue to enjoy the gifts here, you don't understand the giver. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's just an, a, 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 a jaw-dropping trait. And I'll tell you, that took an ax to my anxiety. Like, I remember reading that sermon and having my hands just release a bit on the mm. world because it's like, I love my wife. I love my children. I want to be around them. I want to enjoy them. But do I believe that Christ is best? Mm. Like, can I echo Paul in that and say, mm. it's better to be with him? Because that's really where the Christian has to land. I mean, you know, like, forgive me, not Romans. Romans literally has been in my brain for three years now. <laughs> um, but uh, Psalm 16, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. It's like, apprehend that, Christian. Mm-hmm. Like, lay hold of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think then, then, you, then you can have a deeper sense of freedom from, from anxiety. Because I'm convinced that the greatest points of anxiety in the life, like the ones that I wrote down, were sin, suffering, and death. It's those three. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, once you, once you see those in light of eternity— you know, it's like, all right, I got a couple more years, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think there should be a holy longing. Um, so, so the whole concept within marriage, right, is yeah. till death do us part. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, there's that, there's that reality, and I'll, I'll try to draw an analogy here, that it seems like, you know, when you look at two people who were happily married and, and spent many a year together and someone is, is you know, passes away yeah and you see that other spouse then have the god-given ability and freedom to remarry yeah but you but if you would have presented that idea prior to till death do us part i would have i would have think that that would have struck anxiety in both of those individuals right i mean oh would you yeah think? For like sure. oh no. no never i would never be yeah, able to no, do that no <laughs> but his grace is sufficient right yeah. that he then provides that that ability, right? Yeah. And that freedom and that release. And so I think like a lot of times the same thing is we just do not understand what will be provided to us yeah. in the resurrection yeah. that we will not be lacking in anything. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think we look at these relationships that we have been granted the most familial and intimate, including the church. And we feel as if at death do us part, we will be losing something yeah but yet we will we will we will gain we will gain yeah you know and i think like that it, i was reminded just of the like the saints i've witnessed right have this ability through suffering and loss to then have a, an opportunity to remarry and obviously that grieving for that prior spouse does not cease but yet there is a season in which there seems to be a passage into a, a, a new season, I guess, is what I'm trying to get yeah. at. And I, th- I, th- I was just reminding myself of my own exa- anxieties, my own reminders of death, and yet how I know God is the God of the living, and He does, in fact, grant us something that I, I cannot grasp or understand right now, right? This whole concept of, of even being, you know, like, like the analogy I've drawn, being married and then having that idea of while you were married— thinking about being remarried and lose I mean that that's that is a that is a hard and incredible thought to deal with. 
And I think like that, I think what you're hitting on Lawson is, at least for me, one of the greatest anxieties is losing one of those. Oh yeah, yeah. People like that's what's striking at you saying I don't want to get on a plane. Yeah. Because of I hold dear. Yeah, yeah. All of these individuals, but there's a moment in which you're saying, like I have to rebuke the hand mm-hmm. to yeah. say you have to understand that I I do yeah. not possess these things mm-hmm. as he does. Yes. Yeah. Have we missed anything? I've got I've got one more thought, but Blake has one too. No, I don't. Oh, uh, um, I think <laughs> I think the primary text for this, and I, what I want to do is maybe hit on. I think the world has a lot of prescription for anxiety, and I don't think any of them are lastingly a solution. Mm. Um, and it's it's the same way of like to maybe put it in this category. I think when you know, 2020, we had all of these things happen, but one, I, I, one was George Floyd, right? I know maybe it's seeming like I'm taking a strange turn here, but um, in the midst of that, all of these questions about solutions to, to racism and things like that show up. Mm-hmm. And we've come up with really, in the last two years, we've come up with many a distinct system to solve the solution of racism. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a solution for racism, and it's repent. Right. The solution for racism is repent and believe the gospel. Um, And when the world tries to solve problems, especially if they be sin problems, with a secular solution, just know that they will always be found wanting. Mm -hmm. And I think inside of this, like, like I understand that there's going to be moments of sorrow. That's not what I'm addressing. Mm -hmm. I'm addressing a bondage. Mm-hmm. to anxiety, to stress, like like I was. I'll say it like I was, like bound, not not free, not loosed, but bound to where your perspective, your mind is always skewed toward the um, bondage to sin, to suffering, to fear of death, to fear of loss, whatever it may be. There is a solution, and I think the Bible supplies it. Um. So this is uh, Philippians four, and I'm gonna I will close with. So in conclusion, no, no, no that's not what I'm doing because uh, I've got to address it. It's Philippians four four, and it says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let me let me say this. There's this phrase here that that is yanked out of this passage. Like it is, it is the forgotten verse of Philippians 4. Let your let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And then immediately it flows into do not be anxious. Mm. The solution to your bondage to anxiety will not come through a secular means. It's not going to. The solution to bondage to anxiety is a deeper grasp on and fellowship with the Lord who is at hand. Mm. Like he is present. And that that's what I think we miss. Mm. It's like th- this, this phrase, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. There is an internal contradiction. And I confess this over my own life. There is an internal mm. contradiction when I'm saying the Lord is at hand while I'm quaking in my boots. Yeah. That's that there there's a there's a disjointed reality there. If I believe the Lord is at hand, if I believe that 
when I call upon him, he hears me. Mm. And not only does he hear me, he's not like these false gods who are blind, deaf, and dumb. Mm. He hears me and he encourages, strengthens. Will he hand me over to death for a moment? Mm. Yes. Mm. More likely than not. But never forever. Mm-hmm. I'll draw a last breath, but I'll go straight to him. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of this, like, I think what we've got to be able to do is lay hold of the Lord is at hand. And this, this, this verse has been so strengthening for me in the midst of every moment of anxiety and stressor. It's the Lord is at hand. And you are, and I was, a fool not to run there mm-hmm. and instead sit there and wring my hands in stress. And I understand what the body does underneath stress. Like, I understand the the fight or flight that hits the the adrenaline that hits the body i have i felt it for 17 years and no deliverance came through um through all of the ways that we attempted deliverance came when i grasped the lord is at hand mm-hmm. and able to lay hold of him and find comfort and rest in him so in conclusion i have a bible verse okay i'm going to read it again uh philippians 4 uh, four through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I'd like to thank my fellow elders, Lawson Harlow and Blake McCullough for the time spent today. Fellas, I love... Both of you, my brothers and my friends. God's (laughs) favorite.